welcome to the nerd party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop. Punch it. Punch that shit. Let's punch it. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to Punch It. My name is Charlene Schmidt. With me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Hello, Tristan. We are back for another episode of Punch It. I'm really excited about what we are doing, but before we get to that, we have a little bit of unfinished business that we need to take care of from last week. What is that? That's right. What it is is because we did a sequel to Tron Legacy, because sadly a sequel to Tron Legacy is never going to get made, but there might be a reboot, and we thought that was a bit sad, so we revitalized the franchise in our own little corner of nerdom here on Punch It. And so what we like to do and what we've done most of the time is that whenever we create a new story from scratch, we like to say... Hey, listeners, you go ahead and name it. And we got a few entries, and our favorite one was from Andrew Swearingen, a friend of the show. Yes. He's, a, he's, a, he's written us before, and uh, he's a good guy. And he said, what would be great from all the themes that we talked about, especially with merging Tron and him kind of floating around and being all godlike, <laughs> he said that Tron colon Ascension would make a great title and we agree with you andrew thank you so much for submitting the title that is the title of our tron legacy sequel you heard it here first folks tron ascension yes love it you showed me that right i think right after that came in as a submission and i said mm -hmm. yep that's gonna be the one love it love it love it so thank you to all who submitted thank you to all who wrote in we can't take everything but tron ascension was by far our favorite so we we thank you so much, guys. And please, please, if you want to let us know what you thought of the previous episode, or even if you have an idea for what you want us to talk about, we love show suggestions. And so please go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu. And from there, you can fill out a form and it'll send us an email right away. And uh, if we like your topic, we'll talk about it on the air. And while you're at thenerdparty.com, you can check out all of our back episodes, as well as all of our other shows on the network. we got Star Wars shows, Star Trek shows, a Harry Potter show, and everything in between. And also, while you're doing all these great things and checking out all of our great episodes, if you like our stuff, we ask you very kindly to go to iTunes and give us a review. If you give us a five-star review... We'll mention you on the show, and you can give us any any review that you deem worthy for us, but if you give us five stars, we'll talk about you on the show. It's a great way to talk to us. It's a great way to show your support and your love for what we're doing, and it's it uh, helps us in the iTunes rankings and helps us get more listeners. Yes, and we love to know how we're doing. We love that feedback. Absolutely. That helps us out a great deal. I mean, it takes maybe five minutes of your time, but it helps us out a lot. So please, 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 if you haven't written a review yet, please go in and do that. Also, if you are not in the U.S., let us know if you wrote a review in a non-U.S. iTunes store because we don't go in and check those all the time. So if you do that, just give us a shout out through any of the forms of contact that Tristan mentioned earlier. We'll go in there, we'll check it out, and then we will acknowledge you. And you can listen on Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party or on Twitter at Join Nerd Party, or you can find us personally. My handle is at The Insane Robin. 
And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. Now, all that business taken care of for the day, we get to go on to today's topic. And you mentioned Star Trek. Well, guess what we're doing? We're going to go revisit something that we did a lot on To the Journey. We're going to rewrite an episode of Star Trek. I love doing this. I do too. This is something that we haven't done for a while where we we've done some new Star Trek stories on the fly. We've created new television, new shows, created a movie, even a novella or something like that. But we haven't really taken an episode, a pre-existing episode and rewritten it. And what we're doing today is we're rewriting the uh, first episode of the next generation encounter at Farpoint as if it was going to be made today in 2017, which is quite the feat. It, yes, yes, we are going to redo this as if it has to conform to 2017 sensibilities and coming right off of just watching Encounter at Farpoint right before we hit the record button. I got to say, we have our work cut out for us. This is a, this is something that not a lot of Trekkies or Trekkers or whatever like to talk about. But the first episode of Encounter at Farpoint is horrible. It is so <laughs> bad. Yeah. I mean, okay, wait, wait, wait. We got to take a step back. We got to take a step back. We have to consider the context where in 1987, 30 years ago now, this was brand new Star Trek. And in the same way that we are getting all hyped up for Star Trek Discovery, people in that day were... Well, actually, doing a lot of the same things that are happening right now. There were a lot of people that were super excited. And then there were the people who were, oh, it's not Captain Kirk. It's not going to be any good. Meh, 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 meh. But I do think, especially looking back now, when you've gone through the seven years of the next generation and then some in the Trek universe, man, you know what? Star Trek really has come a long way from this point. It really, really has. And... Next Generation is, I, it's beloved by me. I, I, I love this show. I was raised on this show. It was, it was being developed when I was born, almost as if God was saying, here you go, Tristan. This is going to entertain you for years to come. And <laughs> I love The Next Generation. I love Riker. I love Picard. I love Data. I love Geordi. I love Troy. I love all of them. All of them. Every single character on The, on the Next Generation, I love fully. There's not a single character, main character, that annoys me. And... I okay. I have a situation. You know, you know my wife, and you know that she is not a Star Trek fan, right? But every once in a while, she'll be nice to me, and she'll say, "Hey, let's watch some Next Generation," because that's the one she can kind of stand. Like she knows she likes <laughs> Next Generation. It's one of those. It's one of those shows that even if you're not a sci-fi fan or a Star Trek fan, it's a good show. It's lightning in a bottle. It's much more accessible, I would say. And you know what? I think a lot of that has to do with its episodic format. Yes, and I think it's just well crafted. It's well acted, and it's well it's well told stories. But she one time she said she's like, "Well, how about we we do this for real? Like, don't just don't just pick a random episode. Like, get me into it. Like, let's start strong." And I was like, "Well, I'm hardcore. You're hardcore. Let's start at the beginning. Never do this. Never do <laughs> yeah. this with the next generation." No, no. I believe you might have told this story before, or was it Did another I? show? Oh. Maybe. But I think, yeah, you said the general reaction when you told people on the internet about this was, oh, Tristan, why did you do that? It's so true, yeah. And I have to agree. Why did you subject her to this? Oh, Tristan. I have no idea. It's, she's a saint, and it's a good thing you're still married. I got to tell you that much. <laughs> it really, it really is that bad. And 
I think uh, our mutual friend Matt Hansen will often use the next generation and its rocky start as an example as why we need to give shows a continued chance. We need to let them find its feet and build. And my counter argument is always, well, that was back in the day when we had five channels and three things in prime time. And so we really didn't have that much choice. Now there is no excuse to be boring because we have almost limitless choices on what we could be watching on streaming, on air, on DVR, on whatever. Right. You can find just about anything you want to watch and have it at your fingertips in an instant. And so if In Encounter at Farpoint, Farpoint came out today, that show would be, it wouldn't even be picked up. It would not even no, be picked up. No, they would not have shot that pilot in 2017. And so I'm glad you brought this whole thing up because the sensibilities of 2017 dictate that this show is going to have to go very differently if it's being produced now. Yes, and I feel like with what we're about to do, we have to keep a few things in mind. Like, we got to have some rules here. So, Yes, yes. If this is going to be made, it still has to be the opener for the next generation, and we got to keep all the same characters. We do. And I feel like because of all good things, we have to keep the Q storyline. Oh, I have absolutely no opposition to that, as you'll eventually find out. Now, one thing that I do want to establish is, in rewriting the story, this is a pilot, do we have to assume that the rest of The Next Generation is going to go on as if it did continue airing as it did? Like, meaning, can we change characterizations of characters? How much do you want to change the story? I think we need to have some guidelines there see that's the thing we're not rebooting the show we're rewriting the opening episode that's what i'm getting at is i want to make that distinction where i think certain things have to stay in place the characters still have to be the characters we still have to work within some amount of framework of the story that we got but make it better that's what our rewrites are we're still going to have the galaxy class starship picard is still going to be french and sound english He's, yes. you know, Riker's going <laughs> right, to be the Right, we're not going to change these things. We should not, yeah. and, and why would we? It, that That's not the point of this. Yeah, Next Generation is a fantastic show. It doesn't need to be rebooted, but the first episode totally needs a rewrite. And for those of you yeah. who are saying, hey, it was 30 years ago, it was judged by a different time, I call that BS because there's plenty shows out there that were 30 years ago or more and they still hold up. They're still a good show starter. I agree. Next Generation, unfortunately, did have a rocky start. And with Encounter at Farpoint, I feel like it didn't need to be two hours long. It is just way too slow. It really is. And this was a, a little of the history is that I think they had the Farpoint story first. But then apparently that wasn't... I'm a little shaky on my history, and I'm sure there's tons of Star Trek fans listening who are just screaming. But they had the Farpoint script, and they're like, here we go, here's the episode. And then the network or whomever... Actually, it wasn't even network, it was Paramount. They said, you need it to be a double episode. It needs to be two hours. So instead of expanding the Farpoint story, they basically wrote another episode and then combined it, and that's the Q episode. So okay. they had a Q episode, they had a Farpoint episode, and they just combined them 
and then that was the opener. So that's why it when you watch it, it feels like you're watching two separate episodes because you kind of are. Well, yeah, you are. And I got the impression that this story was just kind of all over the place, which if you're going to if you're going to have several different threads going at once, that's great. But you need to tie them all together. And it sort of did. But uh, I was just kind of left with a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. Like, uh, really? Now, I wasn't sure which order the stories were in, whether it was the Farpoint story that was there first or if it was the Q story that was there first. My opinion is is that the Q story is way, way more interesting. Yeah, because I think that's a little hindsight because we know who Q is now and we've spent so much time with Q and we love Q and we know how the show ends. I'm not saying that you're not right. I'm just saying that I think we're (laughs) heavily influenced by all this foreknowledge. I will acknowledge there is some truth to that, but there is way more possibility and promise with the Q story. I mean, you're we don't even know really that he's an omnipotent being in Encounter at Farpoint. We just know that he's a really powerful alien who can screw with you however he wants. Yeah. And he's putting humanity on trial. Now, one weird thing that came up in my brain as I was watching was why now, Q? Why is humanity on trial? Now, maybe there is something we can put into our story that clarifies this or becomes a little more distinct because it's just sort of out of the blue. I mean, of all the centuries of atrocities that humans committed, Q's going to show up now and say, you know what? You guys deserve to just go back to your planet and stay there. Really? I think it was just because they reached a certain point in the galaxy where they, they went a, like they went further than no one has ever gone before. Or they were about to, or something like that. It was a little ambiguous, but we can bulk that up. I think that's a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah, can we please give Q a reason? And then maybe we can tie that into something a little more, not interesting, but maybe just a little more connected in terms of humanity's trial. What test do they have to pass Mm -hmm. for Q to officially go away, at least for this episode? Now, so are we starting? Are we are we gonna go forward? I I think we're starting to write. Yeah, I think we're already in it. Let's just keep on going. All right, so let's go ahead and erase the whiteboard. Oh, I already did that. It's done. Don't you see? It's squeaky clean. Oh, it's so shiny you, you can't even see. It's just blinding you. Okay, so I love your idea of bulking up why Q is there. I think that's absolutely necessary. One thing that I always wanted to do was. I know we got this. We didn't. We never. We've never really gotten this before. Like we definitely didn't get it with the first episode of TOS, or even the second first episode of TOS, or Deep Space Nine, Voyager. We got it with Enterprise. I want to see Picard get his assignment. Ah, well, you mentioned this when we were writing our Captain Garrett idea, where she gets mm-hmm. her assignment, and we kind of outline the terms and conditions of those circumstances so you want us to see picard get the enterprise that's i think a pretty fascinating idea just because we have not seen it right like we've never seen it we've never heard about it it's never been referenced and it's the side of starfleet that we're not exposed to that much and it's something that always fascinates me and we've seen them pull out the the captain's chair for Riker a lot Uh uh-huh and it's really just a vague reference of, oh, I was offered, you know, that position. I've decided to turn it down. It's never, we've never seen the formal, what is it? Is it just a letter? 
you know, like if you're out in the field, I'm sure it's just a communique. If it's super important and you're in the sector, are you brought in? Do you talk to Starfleet headquarters? You like, how does it go down? And I want, I want to find out. That is, I think, a fantastic idea. Because now I'm curious. I want to know. Yeah, are you in front of all these Starfleet brass? Are you being grilled? Is it just a simple communication? Circle yes or no. Do you want command of the Enterprise? Because you did such great work on the Stargazer. And then you you hit yes or no. And they say, okay, report to whatever, Utopia Planitia at 1,400 hours on this date. I mean, really? I mean, is that it? We do not know. So shall we outline that? I mean... Do you have a preference as to how this happens or do you just want it to happen? Like we say, this happens. I don't necessarily have a preference per se. Like I'm trying to think because was the Stargazer right before um, the Enterprise? Oh boy, you are testing the limits of my Trek knowledge here. It's a little rusty in in this respect. So if this was ever in there, man, it's been a long time and I do not remember it. I want to say the Stargazer was a little further back because that was an older looking ship. It was an older looking ship, but I I don't know. I'm try I'm thinking Yeah, I'm not sure either. Memory Alpha. <laughs> yeah, well, it says right here. Okay. So like in 20, 2353, Picard was on an away mission when he saved the life of one team member at the expense of another. Jack Crusher was lost in light of duty. So in 2355, the Stargazer was seriously damaged in a battle with an unknown enemy vessel, later discovered to be Ferengi, and yada, yada, yada. He was forced to abandon the Stargazer. So in 2355 is when he was forced to abandon the Stargazer. Okay. And he didn't get the command of the Enterprise until 2364. So there is a significant amount of time there. So there's nine years yeah. In between. So what did he do in those nine years? Yeah. Was he commanding another ship or was he on Earth? Was he working on the winery? Um... <laughs> I, think he, I think in order to get the, the most prestigious captain seat in the Federation and Starfleet, he had to have proven himself beyond Stargate. I mean, I mean Stargate. Oh, my gosh. Stargate. Uh, <laughs> Beyond Stargazer, because he lost that vessel. So he's not going to go from a court-martial to getting the Galaxy-class starship. No. I say, I don't think we need to focus on it too terribly much, but let's say there was, maybe he was on an Excelsior-class starship. Something. Maybe he was on something like that where, I don't know, the USS Beijing, just something random. Something, Yeah. You know, and it's something that we've never, never heard of before. And he just was an awesome captain. And so... Do you suppose that Picard was also honing his diplomatic skills at that point? Because we know eventually Enterprise D, they're hauling around diplomats all the time. Picard mm-hmm. himself is much more ready to talk things out rather than having to fire the phasers if, if he doesn't have to. What if we kind of tie this in to our own Enterprise C show and our Enterprise C canon <laughs> where okay. he, he's on the USS Beijing and he negotiates peace between two warring factions and no one, no one thought it would, was possible. And so Starfleet and the Federation are so impressed with Captain Picard that they say, listen, we're building a new Enterprise. 
it's going to be the D and this is going to be the flagship of the Federation and its core mission is exploration. But we like, we need someone who we can trust, someone who can seek out new life and new civilizations and boldly go where no one has gone before and make sure that they don't shoot first. And so we tried a diplomat in the Enterprise C and that averted a war. So we want to do it again with the Enterprise D. What do you say? And you're getting a brand new galaxy class ship, the just the most state-of-the-art thing that we've got right now. What do you say? I like it. That's the big thing. It's just like we're on an Excelsior class starship and he's in the thick of it. Picard, like this is the opener. Picard is in, in heated negotiations. People are screaming at each other and he calms everybody down and he, he's just it's a passionate speech right off the bat like that's the first thing that we see oh i love Picard that doing. yeah with patrick stewart being such a classically trained and shakespearean actor man he's gonna eat that up and that would have been i mean such a powerful way to introduce the captain whereas picard i think in encounter at far point he comes off as I, I kind of like a just a little cold a little cerebral mm-hmm. We don't really get to know him that well. We just learn that he doesn't like children. Right, right. And he pulls it off. He goes back onto the bridge and he, he's like, okay, I'm going to make a report to Starfleet. And uh, and and he does. The, the, we find out somehow that he needs to report back to HQ immediately. What if he gets recalled to Earth because the Enterprise D is near completion on Mars? They want him to report back. Say we do that, okay, and he's going to to Earth. He knows that he's got to think about the Enterprise there. Maybe maybe they're trying to lure him in a little bit and show it off. Like, look, you can tour the ship. One thing that Encounter at Farpoint does is it tries to show off some of these fancy features of the Enterprise D, like the holodeck, mm-hmm. the saucer separation. I mean, even the opening shot is this nice overhead view of the saucer as it goes underneath the camera. And that's all well and good, but maybe we can kill two birds with one stone where we show off some of these features while also learning a little more about Picard and his background, talking with Admiral whoever. I like that second part, but I I feel like we kind of rushed over the first part. Okay, sorry. I kind of want him to be recalled, and he knows, like, he's been itching to get a new ship. He's been itching to transfer. He wants a new challenge. He wants a new mission. And as much as he likes the Beijing, he wants to explore further. He wants to go farther, not just chart whatever area they're in. Maybe and... he's sick of arguing with, uh, you know, other diplomats. And maybe he's itching to explore a little more. Is that kind of what you're going for? Well, I don't think we need to say he's sick of diplomats because that's part of the reason why they're bringing him on. True. But let's say that he is getting a transfer, but he doesn't know what. Okay, and you can even throw in the little mystery element of, oh, he's being recalled, but we don't know why yet. Is he in trouble after these screaming negotiations or something? Did he do something wrong? I love that part. Like, he's like, maybe I took it too far. Maybe I insulted, you know, like the diplomats too much or the the heads of state too much. Right. Maybe he was a little too ballsy. Yeah, like, yeah. What if if he gets there and he talks to the admiral and they're like, we're going to give you a new ship? And maybe Picard's like, I've been petitioning to get the USS such and such. And they say, like, you're not going to get the such and such. And he gets a little perturbed. You know, he gets a little angry. Maybe that also worries him even further thinking, okay, is this about those negotiations? Because I do know that I took a risk. And they said, yeah, and we liked it. 
So that's why we're not right. giving you the USS Hood or the Farragut. We're giving you the freaking Enterprise. We're rewarding you, John Luke. You start to hear the music. It builds a little bit. You start to hear yeah. the theme. And the whole audience knows, oh, my God, he's getting the Enterprise. But, of course, we knew that he was going to get the Enterprise. Right. And and then they kind of say, do you want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course I do. I don't know. I do not know what that voice is. <laughs> that was a weird Southern version of Picard. That's what that was. Um, it's some really random, weird, distant cousin in Louisiana. He's helping run Cisco's. I feel like this is where we kind of flash forward in time where... We need to move more. We need to move forward. So maybe the Admiral says, do you want to see it? And Picard says, absolutely. And then we flash forward and he's giving a tour to somebody else or he's showing somebody else around okay. on the Enterprise. Question. On Encounter at Farpoint, we see the crew kind of split up. Picard, mm -hmm. Yar, and Troy are together on the ship for a good while, but then Riker, Geordi, and Crusher are on the Farpoint station. Do we want to have the crew coming together sooner, or do we want them separated and then bringing them together later on? I think we have to keep them separate because in All Good Things, it's referenced that Riker is not on board. Okay. And neither is Geordi. All right. Okay, we can work with that, though, but I wanted to... But we can pretty much do whatever we wanted to. Farpoint, at this stage, Farpoint could mean anything, literally anything. It's true. And honestly, there's a lot of Farpoint that just, it's just so, eh, I could easily all the, just, just drop the whole thing. No, all that we're locked into is that they're going to a place named Farpoint Station and Jordy and Riker are there. Right. That's the that's the only thing that we're locked into. So Farpoint Station could be a station like Deep Space Nine. It could be a hole in the wall on a moon. It could be anything that we want it to be. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be on this very outer edge of space and, and all that. Because if we're going to trigger yeah. Q in a different way, being on the outskirts of known space is not going to trigger that. And we don't need Zorn specifically. Like, we don't need anybody like that. Yeah, and I'm not much of a fan of the guy, so I'm more than happy to just drop him entirely. Okay, so we're on the Enterprise. Everybody's on there except Jordy, Crusher, and Riker. Yeah. So, what's a, like, how, how do we get the view of the ship? Like, how do we get the tour? They gotta be... You know, there, there's that scene in Encounter at Farpoint where there's some random officers showing Riker how to basically use the Siri portion of the, the Enterprise. Hey, show me where the holodeck is and that has a nice little directional errors. We do not need to show off features like that. I think we need to be walking and talking. Now, we can maybe go through a couple of sets. And then, of course, I think we end with a nice big reveal of the bridge. What if it's Picard meeting Data for the first time? And Ooh. Picard says... I wanted to show you the Enterprise myself because I'm very interested in what you can contribute to the bridge crew. Yeah, like maybe he just wants to get to know Data a little bit better. And so we can have we can meet up with Data and Engineering. So then we can see the engineering mm -hmm. set and the cool right. work core. And then they're walking through wherever, blah, blah, blah. And we establish a little more information. Like we learn maybe a little more about Data aside from the fact that he is a, a machine. And I, I like the idea of like maybe they have a little back and forth about, 
what the ship is and what it can do. And then maybe even Picard slowly realizes that he didn't need to tell Data any of this because it's he has true. the- Oh, that would be a great moment. Like he has everything devoted to memory. Yeah. Yeah. And Data just k- kind of, yes, sir. Yes. It's, it's all right, he- sir. <laughs> he kind of goes along with it. He's like, and I have not told you anything new, have I? No, you have not, sir. <laughs> That'd be a great comedic moment. Fantastic. Yeah. And okay. it would be, it would be, it would give you, like, it would show that Picard is, he could be a little stodgy, like, because there does need to be some character growth. Like, he, he's not, we're not going to be seeing season seven Picard in season one. Oh, no, absolutely not. He doesn't need to have the stick up his ass that he did in the first season. No, no, not at all. We can bring a little more life to him. And I think scenes like this accomplish that and also gives us more as a viewer. Right. It's just more entertaining right. to listen to. We are learning about what's happening here. And then on top of it all, we do have the nice visuals of exploring the new ship and the oohs and the ahs and all of that fun stuff. So where we go from there, I think we need to kind of kick it in the kick it in gear. We need mm-hmm. to get the drama started. We need to get the storyline started. So I say before they meet Q, they actually get to Farpoint Station. I like that. Because it seems really disjointed that they encounter Q, separate the ship, then we cut to Farpoint, what's happening there, and then the ship realigns or comes back together, even though mm-hmm. we know that they're not really completely out of danger. So that makes no sense. And then blah, 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 blah. Okay, now let's give it a little more, not linear order, but let's just make it make a little more sense. I, I'm with you on that one. So they, they make it there. Like, so they're, the tour's going on with Data. And then we hear Tasha over the intercom. We've now arrived at Farpoint Station. What if the reason why they're at Farpoint Station is because the Federation is considering annex, not annexing, but acquiring Farpoint Station and making it Deep Space Five? Mm, that's a thought. Just a random number that popped in my head. I know that Deep Space Five was mentioned before. But whatever, Deep Space Six. It's then, fine. Or it can be any random number except nine. Yeah, and it's just—I don't know. That's why they're taking it there. Like this will help them create a base of operations to go even further. Right. Like they need a new hub, basically. Exactly, and they don't want to build one. And it's already there. So cool. Let's yeah. Let's negotiate. Let's get the paperwork done. There you go. Cool. Okay. So. What is the crew doing there? I mean, are they doing these negotiations? Is Riker heading up? Is he a part of it? Uh, and then the other crew were just, they were kind of dropped off because they know that they're going to pick them up on route. Yeah, I think like Riker was sent ahead of time to start negotiations and Jordy was there to assess the technical situation. I mean, he's the helm officer though, because why would he be doing that? He's not the engineer at this point. I know. He just he just got dropped off, man, by the Yamato or something. Fine. Fine. Yeah. He and Crusher were they, they were just dropped off. Okay, but Riker is sent ahead of ahead of time yeah. on purpose. Yes. To start negotiations. Yeah, okay. but that brings the reason to bring everybody else over there. I want a little character building. I want a little mischief for some reason. This just popped in my head. Okay, what you got? I want Jordy Crusher and Riker to get into a situation. I want them to I want the three of them to bond right away over something. Okay, I'm on board with that. 
but I don't know what. Like, I, I don't want it to be stupid where they get in trouble or something like that. Or what if... um yeah, No falling into the bushes or anything. <laughs> like, what if Jordy... What if Jordy gets in trouble and Riker and Crusher have to bail him out? Okay. Is it something that's just, like, really minor and maybe just a little bit embarrassing? Like, I don't know. I love how 80s encounter Farpoint is because they're at the mall on Farpoint <laughs> Station. You're so, right. like, is there some weird sort of shopping incident where, since he's a Starfleet officer, you know, they only take certain amounts, like, certain kinds of currency, and he's just, well, charge it to my account. And they're like, we can't do that. We need payment now. I don't know. Something stupid like that? No, what if what if he's detained because they think his visor is a surveillance device? Hmm. Um, I mean, that makes a little more sense. Because that way we're introducing who Jordy is, what hi- what makes him unique, and it also shows off Riker's suave talking out of skills, and also maybe Crusher can just like fly off the handle because she's just so what like this individual cannot see without his visor, and you're gonna take it from him and detain him, and so we get a little character building, or at least not, uh, we we see her character a little bit more, and we see Riker's character at the same time. I think you could even up her contribution a little bit because as the physician, maybe she's had to do a little bit of background reading on the visor and can Mm -hmm. spout out a little bit. And then that way she and Jordy can share a little bit of that dialogue where, look, this is a state-of-the-art instrument. He needs it. Blah, 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 blah. And maybe Jordy is impressed with how much Crusher actually knows. And that's when she says, listen, like I'm in charge of the well-being of everybody on this ship. And I get, I make sure to know my patients before I see them. I'm I'm yeah. in charge of this. I like that. I like that. It gives yeah. her a little more to do than just have her son tag around and then, you know, he persuades her to let her go up into the turbo lift and see the bridge. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, we we find like we find out right off the bat that she's good at her job. And we find out right off the bat that Riker is handsome and suave and a smooth talker. I like it. I like it. That's much better than what we saw. I think so. And meanwhile, Wesley can just be hanging out in the background for the time being. Doesn't even matter. Does not even matter. <laughs> we can deal with Wesley later. I mean, I love Will Wheaton, but Wesley just, oh, especially these early episodes where they didn't really know what to do with him. It is mm-hmm. tough. It is. <laughs> okay. So from here then, we've had the bonding moment. Are they officially on the ship now? I think once they get out, they get they hear that the ship is there. And that's when they go, okay, we got to pay our respects to the captain. And they beam up. Yeah. Oh, also, negotiations successful, I'm going to guess? Ongoing. Ongoing. Okay, okay. In progress. Because I like it. we need Picard to seal the deal. Oh, okay. Riker is the one who opened the door, but Picard needs, the, is the, needs to be the one to walk through the door. Or maybe he's the one who gets to sign off on it, maybe. Like Riker, like yeah. maybe th- this is Picard's test of Riker is seeing how well Riker handles the situation. And then upon success, Picard signs off on Riker's negotiations. That would be better than saying you're going to bring the ship together manually. What a waste of time. I am sorry. They padded Such this thing so hardcore. And granted, the special effects are very nice. But it's sort of like in the motion picture with the flyby of the Enterprise. You can only stomach so much and say, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, guys, you're killing me. So we, Q needs to come around. 
So what makes yeah. this station special? Hmm. Yes. I want to say something where it's not like an alien life form like in the original, but what if it gets its power from a, a nearby quasar? A quasar? Oh, we're talking like way far outreaches. I mean, are there even any of these, any quasars in the Milky Way galaxy though? I'm thinking I that's... I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I'm thinking quasars are way, way out there. Billions and billions of years, light years away. Well, Voyager, Voyager ran into one. They did? When? Yeah. Why do I not they remember in, this? They ran into like a double quasar. Remember like Catherine zoomed right in between them and like it was during mm. scientific method and everybody was like, you're crazy, Catherine. Those were, those were quasars. I do not remember that. Oh my God, my memory. Okay, you know what? fill in, <laughs> fill in technobabble. Okay, whatever <laughs> natural phenomenon. We're just okay. like, oh my God, that's so weird. Hmm. Yeah. And... Here's okay. here's where I'm going with this. Here's where tell I'm going. Me, with tell me, tell me. Tell me on this. Where I'm going with this is it's powered by something special, which is, you know, in in the spirit of the original encounter at Farpoint. It is. But it's it's behind like whether it's a quasar or a weird nebula, whatever, I don't care. You know, whatever, it's something some <laughs> sort of sci-fi realistic thing that we've heard of before. And just do the tech yeah. thing and the Okudas will figure exactly. it out. Exactly. And people are like, like, that is insane. Like that is like that like that's not possible. That's weird. And so when they go to investigate, that's when Q comes into the picture. Okay. And he says I don't know, help me out. We're writing this together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I thought you had an idea. I didn't want to lose your train of but, thought. No, but like by them investigating that, that's what triggers Q. Like they shouldn't be using Okay. Like the Federation shouldn't be using that as a power source. So they like or like maybe they'll become too powerful or, or he has hold or, the Q has hold on this or something. I don't know. Okay. Or yeah, maybe it is an unknown power source and therefore they need to investigate it because they don't know what it is. So like maybe like it creates waves or something like that in the something the uh the space station really just somehow collects the waves but they didn't have a galaxy class starship who, who could investigate the source of the waves boom right maybe with new sensors or whatnot they're in tune with like a really fine frequency or something that no other ship has detected before something Some like that tech the tech that only the galaxy class starship and so he can actually say let's see what this galaxy class starship can do and then that makes a little more sense as to why Q shows up now of any other time. And so now we have to connect some dots here. Why is this going to be the point where humanity is on trial? How are these two things kind of tied together? I'm thinking that, I mean, Encounter Farpoint was a two-hour episode. And uh, I'm thinking with the first half of this episode, the, the, the first part of this two-parter, is them meeting Q, and then we see credits. Oh, you are wicked. I love and it. And so I'm thinking maybe we should do part two next week. <laughs> I knew that was coming, but you are not wrong because we are getting to our limit for our episode. I want to make one little modification, though, before we roll credits, and we can't just meet Q. We have to maybe have a little bit in the courtroom. We need some danger. We need some eminent freaking danger where the courtroom is horrific mm -hmm. and humanity is on trial how are they gonna get out of this i think we need to maybe just spell that out a little more not just oh q shows up and 
Oh, Mon Capitaine, temper, temper. No, it needs to be your butt is on the line and you're going to have to pass this, whatever test I throw at you or else, I don't know, I throw you back to the Dark Ages or something like that. I, yeah, I like that. Like where instead, like it's not, well, meeting Q, it's not like the, he just appears on the bridge like an encounter at Farpoint. What if Riker, Data, and Picard are transported to the courtroom? I want the three of them in the courtroom. Ooh, and how about this? Everybody else is completely oblivious to the fact that they're even maybe like for a fraction of a second, they're gone, but they blink and they're back. Yeah. that We find this out in part two, maybe, but a lot of time passes for these guys, whereas everybody else is, what just happened? Yeah, I always wanted Riker involved with a courtroom. So, oh, yeah, actually, instead of- he's going to raise his voice a little instead bit. Instead of Data, instead of Data, let's have Yar. Okay. We'll have Picard- Riker and Yar. That's what it'll be. That sounds good. Well, I think that is a great stopping point for both our episode that we're creating, as well as this one. And we get to continue next week now and do part two. Woo! We've got into a lot more detail than I thought we would. I'm super happy. And I'm really excited about doing part two next week because this encounter at Farpoint is going to get punched. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.